I'm Josh Corcoran, and these are CJSW Stories. CJSW Stories is a show about the people behind the mic and behind the scenes sharing their stories of making great radio. My guest today is Chad Saunders, former program director and station manager. When did you start at CJSW and what brought you here? I joined CJSW in 1990 and uh, quite uh, unromantically, I was a deer in headlights when it came to university. I was a, I guess, a a Doogie Howser-esque age. I was 17. I get into university. I don't know, have a clue what I'm taking in school. No idea. Uh, I just know that I got in here, suckers. And I got into the University of Calgary and I'm like, uh, well, what do I do now? So scrambling around, as you can imagine, first year student, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And uh, run into some friends of mine and they say, hey, we're going to join CJSW so we can uh, go on the radio and make fun of everybody we went to high school with. I'm like, oh, that, that sounds good. And of course, later you learn slander and defamation as part of our orientation and onboarding process here at CJSW. So that ain't, that ain't cool. So um, <laughs> kind of parked it in my head, forgot about it, um, you know, got to go to school and everything. And then uh, I'm kind of cruising through Science A, actually, and there was these pink sheets of paper with the CJSW triangular logo on them, and it said... Come join CGSW Thursday at 6, I think it was, Black Lounge, which is now fancy. But then it was highly flammable. I mean, that's where you could go smoke inside. Like, you know, UC was such a wonderful playland of nicotine. You could smoke everywhere. And uh, the Black Lounge was not immune to the to the, the clouds of good times. I think the cushions would catch on fire and things. It's just a wonderful time. So anyway, it's that's where it is. I have a memory. Uh, it's funny thinking about it. I was taking the train uh, to the station because I'd gone home and then taking the train and the train kind of got delayed and I was like so mad. And I was like, oh, I can't be late. Anyway, get to the Black Lounge. Uh, the volunteer coordinators were Heidi and Kim and they said, hey, welcome. How's it going? Come on in. We got a little bit of a station meeting to start and then uh, and then Huevos Rancheros is going to play. I'm like, oh, wow, uh, Mexican eggs are going to play. This place is weird. All right, I'm in. They hand me a drink ticket. I'm 17. This is the best. And uh, I I saw all these people that looked really, and this isn't to be ageist, but everyone looked really old, meaning they looked like they had a lot more experience and things going on, and I didn't know. I didn't know nothing. Like, the only cool thing I had was Roosevelt Franklin Sings, a Sesame Street record. Like, this is this is my only ticket into CJSW, but I'm not saying that just yet. So Don McSweeney, station manager, and Carrie Clark is uh, program director. Bob Keelahan is production coordinator. And I'm like, I, 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 I want to know what that guy looks like because he had really long hair. And um, he kind of took me under his wing, I guess, eventually. So that's how, I, that's how it all started. It was that meeting. And then I came into the station uh, a couple days later. A guy I went to high school with. He played trombone in the band, Jeff Lippold. People might remember him and Jason Anderson were big into the shoegaze pop scene, trying to get the newest import from, you know, wherever they could get it to play it on the air. And um, uh, Jeff Lippold was an amazing guy. Uh, still keep in touch with him today. Uh, for the record, Jeff Lippold has the best Stampede Wrestling 
story of all time where all the wrestlers were on a deck in southeast Calgary and the deck broke off the house and wrestlers and barbecue spilled into the yard. But that is a story for another day, friends. And Jeff was spoken word coordinator. That's a good edit. Uh, Jeff Lippold's the spoken word coordinator. And he's like, can you type a PSA? Literally on a typewriter. You know, we're doing that. And I typed up a, a couple PSAs. I couldn't type. Fun fact, I wanted to go to SAIT to take radio, television, broadcast and was uh, deterred because I was worried that you had to type 30 words per minute. I could type three. And to this day, I'm still an index finger typer. I can't type worth a bean. And so I didn't go. I didn't go into that program at all. And now I'm going to get into university and do the exact same thing. So uh, type up a PSA. I, as a thank you, I got a pass to Goodfellas uh, at the uh, Palliser Movie Theater at the Calgary Tower. Oh, simple times. I took Dawn there, this woman named Dawn, and that was the end of that relationship. Just kidding. Uh, anyway, uh, that's how we. That's how it started, and um, I would just kind of hang out, and I uh, got to know a lot of great people. Initially, uh, I just wanted to do production. I wanted to make sound effects and goof around on the radio, and and just do little bits, just because my music knowledge wasn't very good. And fortunately, that's maintained its uh, existence over the last uh, thirty plus years, because uh, you're always learning, and that's what makes it super good. So I just wanted to get into production, and um, that's when I met great folks like. I could name drop like crazy, but uh, Bob Keelham was one of the first that like trained me and, and showed me how to use the board. And uh, we would prank the student union show. We used to have a call-in portion of the show. So we would prank the show and I would record it, make sure the levels were good. This is hands-on training. You can't get anywhere else in uh, hassling your fellow colleagues at your own station, uh, merely 30 feet away in the production room to prank them. So that's how, that's how it all got started. That is way back in the 90s. It's good times. That feels like way too long ago now, I'm sure. Well, yeah, you don't want to do the math. No. You got to bring out a, be a big <laughs> abacus. When did you first get a show? I'd been at the station for just shy of a year, and uh, summertimes at CJSW were always very quiet. Um, you know, whether or not there was a summer student or one or two, usually, if any. And uh, I think, to be totally honest, uh, Carrie Clark just needed a body to fill in. So I do recall there was a show called Training Wheels, which had the uh, small print underneath it where the heroes of tomorrow screw up today. And uh, the training coordinator, uh, a woman by the name of Mysoon, didn't show up. And so the show was after uh, the complete and totally unabridged Greg Curtis show. And Greg was in the booth. One of the first times I met Greg and we're, we're friends today. This is how this all works at CJSW. And um, I, I'll never forget the spinning of the record. And I knew the production rooms, but I'd never been in the on-air booth. And I sort of shyfully asked Greg, uh, which one's the mic button? You know, because, you know, where is it on the board? I wasn't sure. And he, he went, what? Really? I said, yeah, which one? He goes, that one. Bye. And he left. <laughs> and in horror, I'm just listening to this music going. I have it on cassette tape somewhere. Maybe we can find, dig that out. But, um. That'd be great. It was hor it was horror. Uh, thanks for the phone call out there. Uh, a lot of callers tonight, and uh, well, hey, I'm freaking out quite royally. Uh, technical difficulty right about there. Uh, we're just gonna go right to the grain. A splendid day. As soon as I can find what I'm doing here. All right. Uh, that was utter chaos. 
I tried to play something funky from the German line, but uh, I don't really know how to work this cassette and then yet. I'm trying to play everything. I'm, I'm going to go in with a station ID while they were on carts, and no one carts you had to let run through. They're usually like 30 seconds or 40 seconds of tape, and it had to run all the way around and stop. Well, someone pulled it, stopped it, and it, so you just hear, and you're just sweating every now. Every noise you hear is just, oh my god. So that doesn't work. Uh, the CD player wasn't working. I hadn't queued up the song on cassette I wanted to play because there was a swear word on it. So the very first thing I ever did on air was, what the fuck is this? That's what, that's what, it wasn't my voice. It's from the Dream Warriors album. And they had that hit. Uh, oh my gosh. What is it? Uh, oh my goodness. My definition of a bombastic jazz style. And at the very beginning, you hear, what the fuck is this? And I wanted to edit that out. So meanwhile, there's sound, and I killed everything, and then rank, just cranked the cassette, and it was the loudest thing. So that's the very first thing I did on air as a programmer. And yet here we are, yeah. suckers. So Carrie Clark was the one. She, you, can, you can address all uh, communications to Carrie Clark, care of the station for all of that. Uh, but uh, yeah, Carrie, and there was a, there was a group of us who were just getting into you know, garage and soul and uh, learning about what, what it meant to meet CanCon requirements and local music. And eventually I, I did that show, uh, The Training Wheels. Um, and someone dared me to play Led Zeppelin because the rumor was that Kerry Clark never put anyone on the air that played Led Zeppelin. But I put it with The X and Tom Cora back to back. I got a show. That's it. So you need a little little pepper with the salt. That's what you do right there, friends. And so, so I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but uh, I remember doing a, a full show with relatively error-free. And um, I think it was Mondays, uh, either noon to two, I think. And um, I called it the Adventures of Hercules and Gunthar radio show. I, I liked a lot of syllables and show titles because I think it helps you get ready for what you need to do and find the mic button. So that's, that's, that was the very first show. Um, and then in, in no short order, kind of just whatever school, whatever my school schedule was as a student, managed to fit in. And then um, sometimes you would just plan your entire academic career around maintaining your show spot. So given the craziness of your first experiences, uh, why'd you come back? This became really apparent later when you meet anybody who's worked at CJSW. And, and for anybody listening to this, hope you're still with us. Um, anybody listening to this, you have to understand that, um, and I'm stealing this from Don McSweeney, but pound for pound and, and you look at the, the alumni and anybody who set foot in CGSW and did a show or hung out or did whatever, and you match it to any other University of Calgary program, great athletics program. There's some amazing science coming out of the University of Calgary, but he, and he, and I agree, and anybody who's ever been here would agree that CGSW has whether you know it or not, has changed the world more than you, you would ever know. And I think the people that you wanted to hang out with and learn about music and see at each other at shows and be part of uh, defining what it meant to, to build community using a, a radio show or, or just being together in a, in a space that was uh, a tomb, an airless tomb in the basement, and yet you, you had all these people keep coming back. That, I think it was just being part of that, but it wasn't conscious at the time. So if you talk to anybody who, who goes for like a job interview and they put CJSW on there, they kind of go, yeah, yeah, you went to school. Yeah, 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 you can flip burgers. Yeah, yeah, you can do this. Tell me more about CJSW because we'd like to hire you as a lawyer. We want to we 
bring you into our medical school program. We want to we want to have you administer arts programming. We want you to run a festival. We want you to do all these things. It's it's because you, if you can if you can manage all the personality types and the the wonderful range of all the voices and everything that happens on the air, it's 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 unbelievable skill. So you you take CGSW and you write it down on a piece of paper right now. And this, I, this hopefully answers your question. But you take CGSW and you go, here's the deal. We're going to broadcast with live people as much as we can, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Let's make sure there's at least 10, if not 15 different languages on the air. Uh, we'll have students on there mostly. Uh, sure, we'll get a couple community members. Oh, there's a draft dodger. Why not? Uh, we're not checking for criminal records. We're good. Great. And you get all these people from all across all sorts of experiences to do radio, and you wrote it on a piece of paper and said, can we do this? Nobody in their right mind would agree to that. They would go, wait a second, they're, they're going to go on a microphone and be able to change the world? No. Who? What? They're religious studies major. Whoa. Or whatever. Geography major. Forget it. So paper for paper, this is an unbelievable thing that we have here. And I call it a thing because it's more than a radio station. It's uh, It's a place that you're you're sharing and you're you're incubating so much talent and you have no idea how influential it is um you could have somebody fixing a bike in a basement listening to friday night programming and their weekend's going to be better because they heard the right song at the right time uh somebody didn't know uh about what's happening in uh india and they heard alternative radio and heard how farmers in India are doing this and that and the other and how that's influencing the environment. And you're like, well, I never even thought of that perspective before. That's, there's just so many of those moments on CGSW that it's, it's inevitable that if you, if you want to be part of that, you keep, you keep coming back every time. Hmm. And how long did you volunteer before you decided to make the jump to staff? Literally the day after I, I graduated, uh, University, I was uh, shoveling horse manure at a uh, equestrian facility just south of town, and uh, I knew I had to make changes in my life. I got to be honest. So I went away. I went away with the intention of not coming back to Canada, actually, 96, 97. And then I did, and uh, I got the only job uh, for about four and a half, five months uh, related to my degree. And uh, that's how long I lasted. Uh, And for perspective... When I started, it was a computer-based job, and uh, I remember sitting at the computer lab after being trained uh, on a bunch of other stuff, and I, d- I didn't know how to turn on the computer. I'm not even kidding. I did not know how to turn on the computer. I couldn't find the on button. The tower was on the floor. I was, I was squeezing the monitor like it was a stress ball trying to figure out how to turn this thing on. I think if I massage this plastic, it will turn on. Oh, no, dummy. Uh, the, the button's underneath the console. Oh, okay. So anyway, I made, and the best part, the project we were on was rerouting um, gas lines in uh, North Dakota. So if anything happens in North Dakota, it's, sorry, it was me. I didn't know how to turn on the computer. No regrets. Uh, so I, I'm working at this job. I have no clue. I have no clue what I'm doing. What am I doing? And uh, station manager at CJSW position opened up, and I applied for the job. Did not get it. Because they hired the program director, my CNJUC, and they offered me that position. And without even hesitating, uh, pro tip kids, negotiate. You know what I mean? You're excited. You want the job? Ask for a little bit. I got, I got paid in uh, pea pods 
and uh, penny whistles. It was great, but it was better than my other job. So it was great. So, so that's how I got in. I was, uh, this was an opportunity and it was, I don't know if it was a dream being fulfilled or anything. That was, that was a lot, it was a lot of work because, um, uh, I think a lot of people wanted that job at that time and it wasn't posted. So I kind of had to work really hard to, uh, get the trust of everybody. And then I left, uh, CSW after doing program director for a couple of years, uh, went to the governments, as they say, worked there for a while, helping people start businesses. And then, uh, Jamie Frederick, who was station manager, called me up and he got a new job at Fast Forward and said, I think you should do this job. Oh, and by the way, we don't have a radio tower location. Bye. So just history repeats itself all the time. I love Jamie Frederick. Uh, hi, Jamie. We, we're, we're all friends here. You see, it's all great. But uh, no, he didn't leave me a, a, a burning pile of tires or anything. It was, uh, hey, we got this challenge coming up. Are, are you up for it? And uh, I figured I'd kind of reached a bit of a ceiling where I was. Um, and I thought, well, let's, let's go for it. And what I thought would be a three-year project to get the tower removed, uh, turned into, uh, just over 11 and a half years of, um, doing some radio tower business and, uh, getting us to the, to the space we're in today. So it was pretty fun, pretty yeah. good time. Uh, I will say this, I was pretty blessed to actually be a station manager for like a decade. You know, I started in November of 2000 and you got to see a decade because I finished in 2012 and it's... It was, it's looking back now, uh, that's really special, actually. If you, you know, you ask anybody who was a, uh, in radio in the 70s when it went FM, changing, life changing, and they talk about the things that changed their life, which we take for granted now, but it's, uh, it, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And I mean, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the process of moving the station from the dungeon downstairs to this lovely space we have now. How long did that take? How long did it take? It, there's, there's sort of three phases of where CJSW should belong. And uh, I know Jeanette Berman has done a great job of documenting the history of where we were located. But uh, when the Olympics, sort of from my memory, is the, uh, the Olympics came to Calgary and they built McEwen Student Center. And at that time, it was, well, we're going to kind of do some renovations. But the station had already been in this space for, for a few years through the 70s. So when that happened, then there was this talk that, well, it used to be like a loading dock. It's not the best space. And then there was just a series of commitments or conversations about where is CJSW going to move? And um, when I was program director in the late 90s, just to give this perspective, they were going to renovate our space as part of this renovation of the ballroom. And there used to be some meeting rooms right around where Wetzel's Pretzels is. There used to be some, and there's bathrooms there now, but not the new part, but there was just some meeting rooms there. And we were going to move there with a plastic wall to the outside. And I remember my soon asking me what I thought. And I was like, well, I guess we could do it. She went, you're crazy. This is nuts. No way we're not moving up here. And I was like, okay, good idea. And so we, we had always sort of worked through that, that um, timeline of wondering when, when are we going to move? Anyway, when this building was built in the mid-2000s, this space, among others, was, was vacant. It was empty. And uh, there was uh, some processes to get it done, some administrative stuff, which I'm sure listeners would love to hear the details to. Uh, <laughs> but you don't need to because I, 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 I and the board and a bunch of other people all did that. So we worked through all of that and um, with some false starts and false steps. And here we go, tripping down the stairs. It was 2009. Uh, that we actually started the process to construction. And, and appropriately enough, 
We started on April Fool's Day, April 1st, 2009, and completed the project on Friday the 13th of November. Uh, that's when we were done. We did our last funding drive downstairs in 2009, and then we made our way upstairs here to the space on that Friday. And uh, yeah, we could do another program about the details of it, but it would be a 2 a.m. podcast for those who have insomnia. So yes. let's just save it at that. I'm assuming parts of it are extremely dry. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> it's um, the one thing I, I will share is that uh, when we were going through the whole process, you know, we had lots of meetings. Anybody who was a, a member through the 2000s will know the endless conversations we had about it. And the listeners during Funding Drive heard about it, heard about it. Um, one thing I do want to say is that uh, the messaging we always kept internal was even though we're broadcasting from what feels like a garbage can, like it's not ventilated. If it, if it rained heavy enough, it leaked in our offices. Um, who knows what was going on with that carpet? Like it was awesome. Um, it had limitations to the space. It was a special space. No regrets about at all existing in that space. But just because the space wasn't working for us didn't mean it had to sound like that. So to the kudos to all the programmers who were like, we're going to move to a new space, but until then, here's the best song you're ever going to hear. Here's what's going on in town. This is, we're still going to keep going. It doesn't matter. Um, but this space, this new space, was to provide a catalyst to make sure that everyone had access to, to studios without bumping into each other and being able to continue the radio revolution in a, in a space where you didn't have to worry about HVAC. And you didn't have to worry about silverfish. You know, you turn on the light and then jump out of the room in case the silverfish were right there. You know, you're like, oh, hey. Um, but environmentally, it was the best thing we could do because um, with, uh, you know, it was all about windows symbolically, but really it was about creating a space that we could actually really communicate because we were divided. Uh, the Physically, the space downstairs was a hallway and there's some offices down there. We wouldn't know who's coming and going from being on air. Um, heaven, heaven knows how many times Don McSweeney had to run across the hallway to come tell me to not play what I was playing on the air. You, you had to run quite far here. It's half the, half the time to go run into the booth and yell at an unsuspecting DJ. I'm teasing. No, I'm saying it's a better space to be able to like look through and see all the action. Like right now you and I can turn and look through and see another production room and there might be a live band. And if we arc our head a little bit, we can see right into the DJ booth, um, turn it the other way we can we can see the the leadership here it's that's exactly what it was about it wasn't about anything else it wasn't about a legacy it wasn't any of that crap it was we need a new space for the next 40 years and now uh, here we are do you have anything in particular you want to say or any stories you want to tell you think that the world well, should hear well, okay i got one what do you think are the misconceptions of cgsw Misconceptions. Well, you know, there's. Let's put it this way: you can come up with wonderful stereotypes for a campus community-based radio station, right? It's definitely not a WKRP thing, although some characters are Venus flytraps and and Baileys and hanging out and all that stuff. It's it's really cool. I think I think one thing about being in Calgary and having what we have is that um, whenever uh, whenever programmers or people start kind of going outside our community. Um, and still to this day, you still have to continue to educate people in this city about what great resource this is, how accessible this media outlet is in an ever-changing sea. So I'll start with the stereotypes. I don't know how many times it, it was on us to go to Ottawa or we'd go to Halifax, we'd go to Montreal, and people would say, oh, you're from Calgary. 
you guys, you guys have a good funding drive because it's like all oil and gas. Yet, yeah, no, no, that's a misconception. The people who support CGSW may be in the oil and gas industry. We don't antagonize that. We don't antagonize anything in the city. We, we make it very permeable for everybody. So you can build a station with a $25 friends card. We were explaining this to stations that were having, you know, $3,000 funding drives. And we're like, well, no, you can do this to, to engage your community. And then there would be something controversial in the city. Oh, we hear you have a problem with this community. And you're like, you know what? Calgary has had one, has one of the oldest pride parades in the country. Oh, I didn't know that, said somebody who just thinks that we're a bunch of whatevers out here. And so what frustrates me now in the world is that we're really quick to always label things. And I think one thing that CGSW uh, can take a really great role and always has taken a great role, and maybe it's more important now than ever, is to illustrate that this place, even though it's a sound, you don't have to see what's behind the mic, but the sound of it is these are, these are people that really, truly care about the community, and they're engaged with their community. And if you want to come on the show and talk any issue with a host, it's it's got to be accessible. And you look at the limitations, you see stories where press outlets can't have access to the police department in Edmonton. There's media outlets being banned. Um, it, it's, a, it's not a good time to be uh, the seeker of truth or the broadcaster of information because it's it's so messy out there. And I think I don't think it was easier, uh, for example, when I was, say, program director or station manager. But I will say this: it's it's been it's more amplified ever before to be not on the right side or the wrong side or illustrate two sides. It's illustrating what the people are actually experiencing and letting listeners decide for themselves. That's the that's a great broadcast, and there's. There's not really an example I'm going to share, but when you listen to somebody sincerely asking a question about something that they're passionate about and the guest wants to be engaged, you, you can actually do way more than trying to paint one side of whatever picture is being presented. Hmm. So that's one. That, that's, that's what I'm worried about. The media landscape is in, is in big trouble. The amalgamation is, is unreal. Uh, even in the music industry, you know, when, when we were all broadcasting in the 80s and 90s, Dozens and dozens and dozens of labels. Now we still have dozens and dozens of labels, but it's like one person managing all these bands, the EMIs, the universals, all these ones, they, they all get bigger and bigger. And now they're relying on catalog sales for revenues. They're not interested in new music. This is so important for CGSW. New music and new context for the sound of what's happening now is, is why this station and other campus stations will exist and the last thing you'll say about stereotypes is, oh, yeah, you guys are just a bunch of freaks and weirdos and you're just there to, you know, do whatever you want to do. Yes, you're right. I will not deny that. But we're the best freaks and weirdos. We're the freaks and weirdos like Al Shadalani, who's part of a research team that discovered, oh, I don't know, uh, a vaccine prototype to fight HIV and AIDS. Jimmy Jimmy Butterduck was that guy's radio name. All right? That's one example. Angela Cito, who was here, who... I believe is out on the West Coast now, was lamenting, oh, do I help, you know, I have to choose a discipline. Do I help people who are recovering from stroke and, and, and dementia-related injuries or rebuilding the spine? Uh, well, well, do both. All right. You know what I mean? Like, these are people changing the world. And they were playing power punk or metal or jazz or whatever they were playing, and they are the best people out there. Uh, you will never find an enemy in a uh, CJSW friend. 
they will they will get you a bus ticket when you need to get out of town, and they will be your uh, best pal no matter what. Uh, it's sort of the most important four letters you'll ever assemble. One more time for the kids at home, CGSW. <laughs> that is awesome. But those people are listening. If they want to come and volunteer, how, what do you suggest they do? Uh, to anybody who wants to join CGSW, uh, do it because it's going to open up a lot, a lot of doors for you. I didn't know anything about music, and I learned so much about that. Uh, I was quite shy, actually. I was, uh, I was pretty introverted, and I was just like, I just need to kind of see what's out there. And I met a lot of great people, and uh, that was really instrumental. And uh, I think there's a lot of lucky charms here at CJSW that um, you're going to connect with some people that will be your pals, and you're going to cross paths for decades and that's that's super important. And you get to be part of a, a really special entity that has a broadcast license that reaches not just thousands of people within the terrestrial area of Calgary, but we're broadcasting across the world on the internet. We're easily accessed any time of day through podcasts. This is unbelievable. And we're waiting for the next technology to come down the pipe. So it's a, it's a great place to, to do what you think you might be interested in. It doesn't matter. You will all figure it out together. And again, the last thing I'll say is this comes from a guy who had a tape cassette labeled P-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z, and it was just farts. Okay? That's it. <laughs> oh, oh, to be 14 again, you know? Um, so that's in my will. Anybody want that tape? <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll run a clip of that. <laughs> no, we won't. Um, but come here, have some fun, and uh, you never know what new path you're going to take for sure by coming down and becoming a volunteer at CGSW. My guest today was Chad Saunders. Thank you for listening to CJSW Stories. I'm Josh Corcoran.